Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is Johnny Free Tears from the amazing band Hollywood Undead. On today's interview, we get to talk all about the band's brand new album, which is out now called Hotel California. Johnny also gets to share all his musical influences that have led him to the person that he is today. His music writing, the first bands he used to listen to, the first gigs, and so much more. And that interview is coming up in just a couple of minutes time. But before we get there, let's touch base and talk about the last episode. On episode 226, it was all things Viewerskew. I was joined by Jeff and the amazing Brian from Clerks Free. Yes, Dante and Randall themselves. The interview blew up. I couldn't believe the numbers. It's my second most downloaded episode I've ever done. And a massive thank you to everyone that's took the time to listen, to share it across their social media networks, and for just the amazing feedback. It's been so positive. The film's doing so well, and it was so good to be part of it. And just to reveal a little secret right now, I'll be having someone else from Clerks coming up very, very soon. But today, it's all about the band Hollywood Undead, and I can't wait to get to this interview. So I think the best thing to do is to get to it right away. So here's me and Johnny Freetears talking all things music. So Johnny, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. My pleasure. Johnny, what I like to do for the listeners out there that might be discovering your band for the first time is take it right back to the very start. Tell me about when you were growing up, maybe as a kid or a young teenager, that first album, maybe a CD or vinyl or cassette that you bought, that you fell in love with and instantly was like, this is what I want to do. Okay, so my first, when did I realize? I mean, my dad was a vinyl collector, so that was really my first experience. So um, the way I got into music was kind of backwards in the sense that I didn't listen to music that was out when I was a kid, really. Um, he, he was, you know, a hippie dude. And, um, I grew up listening to Neil Young and Creedence Clearwater Revival and Captain Beefheart and all these, like, you know, singer songwriters about tom petty and stuff so i never listened to the music that was popular during my youth necessarily so i always grew up on that stuff so the real stuff i started wanting to do was like more folk driven and then wu-tang came out and oh, that wow. was like yeah so it kind of turned everything on its head and i grew up in la which is you know it's obviously very urban and um we grew up in the hollywood area and uh what I liked at that time because my dad was certainly not what was, uh, I guess, popular at the moment, obviously. So once that happened, then everything kind of turned on its head and I was old enough to, to go seek my own way. Um, I obviously still listen to all those great bands and stuff, but I would say Wu-Tang 36 Chambers was the song that the, the album that made me love music um, in a different way than uh, Grant being grandfathered in, I suppose, into someone else's stuff um Wu-Tang and then uh I got into punk rock shortly thereafter that and that was a big movement too with like Pennywise and like the Fat Records bands were I love Lagwagon and a lot of those bands so it was kind of a mishmash of those things but what made me care about music differently was Wu-Tang where I was like oh this is something that they're saying stuff that I understand as opposed to you know, I love those other artists, but there's a lot more vagary and it's, you know, it's kind of singer songwriter stuff. I don't even know what they're fucking talking about half the time. But then it was all of a sudden on the street level where everything made sense to me. And I was like, oh, I can write stuff like this. So what 
change for me is I used to love bands when I was growing up, like Green Day and Offspring. I went for that punky era and, you know, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, all those sort of bands. But it wasn't until I went to see a live band that it changed everything for me. That's when I realized, like, it is real. It's in front of you. It's completely organic. It's what is going on right now is live. That guy is really strumming his guitar. It's not on the CD polished. So can you tell me that first gig you went to that kind of blew your mind that you thought, do you know what? Like, I don't want to go and do a normal nine to five. I want to be doing a band forever. It was AFI. Oh, lovely. At the Palace. Well, now it's called the Avalon, but it's a club in Hollywood that all the punk bands played at. And AFI played there. Um, I think Good Riddance, another fat, uh, different Fat Records band. They weren't on Fat Records. They were on Nitro at that time. But uh, Good Riddance played with them. And AFI was, because those dudes, this is before AFI was, you know, they obviously had a commercial record. um, But this is prior to that with Black Sails and the Sunset, which I believe was their third record. Or, yeah, I think third. Um, But there was so much energy in it. You know, Davey Havoc, all those guys. And I was like, you weren't used to seeing that um and obviously davy could like belt and stuff some people you know his voice is very particular and stuff but i just thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world and it was really really dark material that you didn't really hear much you know these guys predated the metalcore and all that emo stuff you know and they were saying you know there's like all the song titles were like in fucking latin and stuff you know (laughs) they were out there so i was like dude this is awesome and that energy that those guys had they're still one of the greatest live bands i've ever seen ever Uh, but yeah, the energy and it was palpable and tangible. And that was what made me like, God, I wish I could be up there someday and do what those guys are doing. Did, did it actually ever feel like a reality at a young age? Because, you know, anyone that wants to be in a band, if you go home and tell your parents, I'm going to be in a band, this is what I'm going to do. They're like, get a real job, son. Like, stop fucking about wasting our time. Or were they supportive? And was everyone like, yeah, you've got a talent. You can do this. Well, there's good and bad in this. My parents were like not around, you know, they're kind of deadbeat. So there wasn't any repercussions for not doing what I should have been doing, but there always wasn't any encouragement either. Actually, one of the guys in the band, Jay, when I was young, I pretty much like slept at his house. I would sneak in his window at night and then sneak out before his mom uh, was awake. So uh, I didn't have any uh, guidance, but I also didn't have anything telling me, telling me I should be doing something else. There was no one to really give a shit. So. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to that, but there was certainly no uh, no counterbalance to anything, um, which I got, you know, got me in a lot of trouble uh, growing up. But it also gave me the freedom to kind of do as I, I pleased. Were you confident enough that you wouldn't then accept a world where you'd be doing a nine to five in a shop and working and having to do customer service? Were you always like, it's my destiny to do this. This is all I want to do. Yeah, I mean. To be honest, I had like a felony by the time I was like 16, so I couldn't get a job anyway. So I didn't right. really have a so it was That's kind the of way to do it. <laughs> yeah, like breaking rocks or something or doing like demo work, you know, under the table work. So it was, you don't have a lot of options at that point. So music was called kind of always the only choice. I never was really confident. I don't think that it was going to work. But I did it anyway because there was no other, nothing else, you know. So I kind of eked out my young years just doing odd jobs and um, doing whatever I could to, to you know, survive it on, on that scale. And then outside of that, there was never really any option outside of it. It's amazing. So with this band, obviously, you've been going, I was looking today, I didn't realize, is it like 17 years or something like that now? 
dude, I that was it's eighteen years. Eighteen um, years. Yeah, that blew my mind. I was like, what? Well, you know, we go, dude. We're looking at pictures of us when we started, and I'm like, who's that little dorky baby? <laughs> you know, like I didn't have any hair on my face, and like he still had pimples and stuff. You know, the good old days. But um, it, it, it's it's kind of a trip. It's it's been pretty much half of everybody's life at this stage. Um, so you know, all of my adult years certainly. Um, it's a trip, man. Cause yeah, it's like a flash in the pan. It goes by so fast. that when you look back on it, you're like, Oh, that was 15 years ago. That wasn't two months ago. And it doesn't feel that way at all. I mean, I've had bands on recently, like, um, Incubus, Everclear, Jimmy world. And I've asked them all the yeah. same question. Cause they've all been going for over 20 years. What is it mm-hmm. about Hollywood undead that you think, you know, 18 years, you still got a new album coming out. You've got passion. Your live shows are like your first early shows where you just want to go out there. What is it you think that's not making it so boring or making it so fresh for you every night? Um, it's going to sound clear. Well, hey, you know, we have a, I've been friends with the dudes and the band since we were like in preschool, you know, yeah. like my whole life, your family so that's really good. Yeah. Like that, that. Don't get me wrong. We still fight. We still have our own issues and stuff, but we had a really good bedrock. So the things that I think get to most bands never got to us. Like we could work our way through that stuff. And then it, the other it's cliche, but you know, every time you play a show, there's a new grouping of people that are putting out energy for you to like almost parasite off of so you could be having the worst day of your life and uh you know everything's fucked uh i can't do this anymore we've been on tour for two months uh, but you go out there and it's undeniable you you could feed off of that forever in my opinion because every day is different something's different there's different people there with different uh you know there's different wavelengths i don't know how you want to put energy vibrations whatever but the second you go out there, all those things kind of fall away and there's a freedom to that in it every day. You know, every time you come off, your adrenaline's so high that um, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that you can kind of become addicted to it. And, uh, you know, you're, we play an hour a night, maybe two hours if we're on a big headline run or, you know, but it's worth the other 22 hours for those two, um, regardless of what's going on and stuff. So. Uh, I think that feeling and, and that relationship we have with our fan base is, is extremely important to us and uh, that there's no substitute for being face-to-face with them. And do you ever see the rise being in the band and actually directly involved in everything? Do you ever get to take a step back and actually see how far you've come with these amazing slots, like playing these shows at the moment with Papa Roach and stuff like this? all these amazing gigs, the crowds getting bigger each time, the records doing bigger, and then kind of seeing these posters of festivals where you started on the lower stage, then the medium stage, and then you're building up to the head. You know, do do you actually ever get a chance to even kind of digest and see how far you've come? Or is it just like one big dream? I think like uh, I used to not pay any attention to that stuff. You know what I mean? Because, you know, when you're young and egotistical, uh, or prideful, you know, everything is deserved. I think that's the way your mind works at that point. As I got older, I started to realize how fortunate we were. And it's funny, uh, you know, I do, uh, I've done AA stuff for a long time. Uh, and they, there's a, the thing where you 
you take stock every night of the things you're grateful for and the things that you should have done differently. It's all part of this program. And I only bring it up because it's one of the things that made me start realizing it is you have to take stock of the things you're doing right and the things you're doing wrong. And so you have to list out the things you're grateful for. And that was kind of a start when I started dissecting my life and, you know, for better or for worse. And that was when I really started taking an honest look at the band and how few people get to do this and how fortunate I was to be able to do it in all these things that have to go right in order for that to take place. Uh, the, the chances are astronomically low. Um, and when I took stock of uh, all those things, that's really when I started to, to be grateful for it because, you know, uh, the younger me uh, didn't look at life that way. Everything was because I either deserved it. And when something bad happened, it's because uh, the world was out to get me. You don't realize how, what all the things in place. So through that whole process, I really started looking at it and to be able to do it. And not just do it, but to do it for almost two decades, the, the chances are pretty slim. So I, 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 in the past, you know, decade or so is really when I started to take stock of the fact that I get to write music and I make a living doing it. Uh, we're never going to be, you know, Green Day or when, you know, gazillionaires or anything like that, um, which, but I also, you know, I can pay all my bills and I got to play music and I've raised my three children that way. And that's it's i can't uh i can't picture my life any other way and i'm really fortunate i mentioned in your children now that you're on tour obviously after the pandemic and having two years at home is it quite tough to get that kind of work-life balance because they're your world aren't they and you get to go away and you have to kind of rely on facetime and calling and stuff is it really tough is it because you've had that kind of two-year pause on the band was it really tough then to go out on tour now and kind of say goodbye every night it's very, very tough. Yeah. yeah. There, there's the, there's anything that's ever going to stop me from doing it. It's that, um, I have a 13 year old, so she grew up with me on the road and stuff, which I guess we both were somewhat accustomed to, but I actually had two kids during COVID. Um, so I had a baby that was born, uh, a few weeks before the tour we went on where COVID really broke out. You know, everybody kind of, there's rumors of it. Um, uh, but we were in Europe with Papa Roach actually, and she was born, she was a month old. So we get sent home and uh, her name's Chloe. She's two and a half now. So with my first kid, I didn't have to deal with that experience because I was so accustomed to leaving and so was she. And then all of a sudden I was there for the whole, her whole young life yeah. up until spring. So that is when it became a lot more difficult because I was accustomed to it before. And then we were on the, at home for two years. I watched her grow for the first two years and she went, you know, my wife, she goes to the stairs every day and calls me to come down because she thinks I'm up there in the studio, um, even no matter how long I'm gone. So it's like, you know, it's, it's gut-wrenching in a sense. And then I have another six-month-year-old. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's part and parcel with it. it. It's not for the faint of heart in that sense. I mean, I would love to be with them all the time. Um, so, you know, you have that divide between what you do and what, you you know, that other aspect of your life that you have to figure out a way to find a balance for. Um, but I love what I do and I love my kids and those two things will probably always be at war to some degree. And do you think there will be a day that you can't do it anymore? I mean, there's bands that you must inspire to see when you play these festivals and see it download and stuff. These headliners like ACDC and Iron Maiden that have done it for 30 years or even longer, you know, 40 years, like bands like Kiss and stuff. Do you, do you see yourself being on those, 
legacy bands or do you think there's a shelf life where you're just going to say i i'm ready to put my feet up now and just have the holiday that i've worked for for 20 years you know i i'm the type of i know i'm always going to want to work like i don't like the idea of having my feet up i can't even hold still for five minutes let alone uh. five years thing do i think the band will last forever i mean that is so dependent on circumstance but yeah i think there's a shelf life i don't can i'm not i wouldn't be up there when i'm 60 like um i just had it not because i wouldn't like it but i just have so many other interests in life that you have to kind of put aside um to in order to do this it's very whether you it, it's time consuming because if you're not touring you're recording a record and um I don't think that it's something that I'll do forever just to be uh, candid. Um, but you know, it's some music will always be something I make or, or something I'm involved in, but on the level of like, you know, dude, the Rolling Stones play more shows than us. And they're like 70. Every <laughs> yeah. year. I'm not Nick or I'm no, not one of those guys. Um, it's crazy too, to consider those bands that you mentioned, because these guys are already like filthy rich. Yeah. So you know they're doing it just because they love it because they don't they certainly don't need the money. Um, but yeah, I mean that that remains to be seen. And you know, a lot of the times too, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to tour anymore. And then I'm off tour for a month and I'm like, God, I gotta get back on tour. So it's one of those things that you can't really predict how you're gonna feel about it. So I guess it's a, it's more of just take it as it comes and like see what happens. And if one day people stop coming to shows, maybe they'll make up our mind for us and we'll just kind of right off into the sunset some depressed cowboys <laughs> <laughs> what would you think you'd like to do instead would you like to get involved in movie directing or writing or is there something else on the sideline that you could ever see yourself going into is there something that's on a list that you want to tick off before you die um man i'd love to do all of those things but i think everybody would because you get paid a lot of money to just do nothing yeah <laughs> like uh i remember that you know who tosh.0 is yes yeah, Daniel Tosh, he did a skit. He's like, you know, there's a lot of struggling actors and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, of course there is. You get paid millions of dollars to to sit on a set and get your ass kissed. So it's like, yeah, those <laughs> things will all be like, those things are cool. Um, actually, uh, me and one of the guys in the band, Jarrell, we do we grow uh, cannabis uh, legally. Yeah, I Although, saw it on your Instagram, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't always legal. We used to trap and uh, do it, but we, we have a license and a bunch of, a big grow in Oklahoma. Um so that's a different business we're involved in. That takes up a lot of time. So we're going to do that creatively. I have a my side project. It's called George Ring and the Dead Son that I uh, I put out my like just me stuff. You know, it's yeah. more acoustic, kind of like the stuff I was talking about that I, I grew up listening to. Um, so musically, I'm always going to do that and that, and then everything else. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't had the itch to do anything outside of music and that, but uh, so I don't have any particular plans. Um, but we'll see. So I was going to say to you, did you struggle in the two years off? Because that was like you said, you kind of get an itch and you can't sit still, but you had two fucking kids. So it's like your hands were full. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, 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 that stuff is tough enough. But I mean, you know, it's funny because when COVID, when the shit hit the fan type thing, um, we had just released three weeks prior the first record of a double album. So we had a ton of music to put out that... Uh, we didn't know what to do with. And then, so we kind of worked through it. We did a live stream. We did a bunch of videos. We did whatever we could. I put out my solo album. I did three videos for that. And so we were busy, but just not on the scale that I'm, I was used to. Yeah. You know, your home and stuff like that. So we go to LA, 
but even that was really tough because all the restrictions and stuff are real stiff. So filming videos was really hard. I remember we did our live stream. They had like a COVID officer. And in between takes, when we're recording, we'd have to put our mask on after we finished our, the vocal stuff. So it's in between- crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy looking back. I know the world's gone a bit normal now, but like to do that is just insane now. It seems so alien. Yeah, no, I know, dude. Uh, and now you don't have to worry on planes. That was the craziest thing. Because I go back and forth to Oklahoma. You know, I would go once a week pretty much for like a year. And, you know, I got so accustomed to doing it. And when we flew out for the last tour, no, this tour, I didn't have to wear a mask. So like sitting there on the plane without a mask, that was like surreal and very nice to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that was the fucking worst. I used to do this trick where I'd pull it down below my nose and put my hat like this. <laughs> and pretend I was sleeping just to get some air, just to breathe. Yeah. So I'm glad we've moved on from that. And um, I know it was devastating for a lot of people. It was just certainly hard on us. And I had a couple of buddies that would have never, you know, normal, younger, healthy dudes. We had two friends go. Um, so it was sad, man. I know a lot of people suffered through it. I'm just glad to, that every, you know, that we're on the other, hopefully on the other side of it and they don't come out again with, you know, fucking the fifth strain and some other shit happens. But we don't need I'm that hoping- shit. I know. I think we're through the worst of it, and that's a massive relief, I'm sure, for everybody, certainly me. And as we sit here, we're on the verge of your brand new album coming out, Hotel California. Now, with this album, is it exciting to go out there and play some new songs after a couple of years and test the water with these crowds that maybe you want to try and win over with the new songs? Because it's not easy, is it? When you're on stage, everyone's there to hear your hits. Like, play the big songs. But is it nice to kind of play some new exciting stuff so it freshens up the set list? Yeah, I mean, it's nice for us. For them, probably not. Uh, no. Boo! Play <laughs> the next one! We haven't gotten booed yet. That only happens in uh, Europe. <laughs> They're rude. Europeans, dude, man. I know, dude. Uh, I remember the first time we played Download, they were throwing shit at us. and It was actually kind of exciting. It was fun, because we start throwing stuff back. It became kind of like a game. <laughs> so one of the bad as it sounds. But, um, yeah, that was our first. Or Germany, too. Uh, we played with, we were out with Korn. This one, we had one record out. And they were giving us hell for like an hour, man. It was it was brutal. So we're past that stage now. It's just a stunned silence. Like, what was that bullshit? Um, <laughs> we, we we I hate it when bands go out. You know, they come out with a new record and they play half of it. We don't do that. We, we no. spot it. We have two new songs in our set, and we'll add another one once the record comes out. So we don't make it overbearing. I think it's a little selfish on you know a band's part. Is especially because the album's not out yet. So we can only play the stuff that we've already kind of pre-released. Um, but the, you know, the reaction's been good. Um, obviously, you know, I, we want to give them what they want and stuff like that. But um, we also like playing new music because some of the songs we played, I don't know how many shows, but some of these songs we played 2000 times. So it is nice to get some fresh ones out there, um, whether they like it or not. How's the rest of the year looking? Obviously, you're doing stuff at the moment, this Papa Roach tour and stuff like that, having Bad Walls and bands like that. But are you hoping to go out into Europe and make up for lost time and play all those shows that you probably had to not do because of COVID? Yeah, dude, we were bummed in June. We were supposed to go to Europe. We had yeah. downloaded and a bunch of shows, and uh, we were supposed to go to Moscow and uh, all these different places, uh, Germany and um, some of the Eastern Bloc, but the whole scenario out there with the uh, you know what's going on they it didn't work out um unfortunately there's bigger things happening there but we're hoping all that stuff settles down and we're talking to, i don't know if we're going to be able to make it this year because yeah no one 
knows when it's going to open fully again. Um, so they're talking about January, February, but we, we hope so, man. Uh, I, I love going to Europe. You know, I was born and raised obviously in the States and I like touring here and stuff, but it's pretty, you're, you're used to everything. I love going to Europe cause it's all new and like walking around is like an event. Cause you see, you know, the oldest building where I grew up was probably from like the thirties or forties. So it's cool <laughs> to see like, you know, these old, I, I love it. I absorb it every time I go there and I enjoy it every time I go there. So hoping to get back sooner than later, but there's no, no de definitive answer yet, but certainly soon. But you're busy as hell, aren't you? These dates with Papa Roach uh, on this, is it falling in reverse Rockzilla tour? It's, it's insane, isn't it? It's like every night for the next, well, pretty much all of August. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, decent size tour, decent length. It's all over the US. We just got did a spring run with Papa Roach and all the other markets out in the States. So, yeah. and then we're supposed to go up into Canada and, uh, you know, in the fall. So we're trying to sort through all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I just take it as it comes, you know, now back in the day, I'd be like, what the hell? We don't have a tour for three months, but post COVID it's like, Hey, I'm just happy we can tour it all. So if the whole, you know, the tectonic plates have kind of shifted. So no one really knows what the hell's going on. We were talking about going to Australia and Japan, but Australia still has like COVID things in place. So, you know, it's all kind of up in the air. Um, so I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. I'm just happy we got to play shows at all. Cause you know, at first I was like, Oh, this won't last long. After a year and a half, I was like, oh, maybe we'll never tour again. It's scary. Know. There was a moment where I had tickets for, I think it was Alice in Chains and um, Pearl Jam, and it got called off for three years running. And I thought, I'm never going to get to go to this show. I genuinely believed they're just never going to do it. It was never going to happen. Did it eventually happen yet? It did, thank God, this year. <laughs> good, good. It's yeah, worth no, the wait. It gets to that point where you're like, it could just be perpetual and... Should I start looking at something else in my life? Should I go join the military? I don't know. Like, I don't have any. They won't let me in anyway. So actually, I couldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely gives you a lot of time to rethink what you're doing. Um, and it, it was brutal. So now I'm just so things are happening and things are moving and um, everything seems to be progressing nicely. So um, like on the last run, we almost had to cancel some shows because someone had, they were testing for COVID and couple guys had covid so they couldn't cross the border into canada so it's still a little hairy but at least we're out here doing our thing and i can't complain and hopefully you know by this time next year it's you know it'll be like it never happened and we can all you know have a good time because we still can't have like buddies backstage and stuff because you know they got to keep everybody you know safe or whatever yeah. you don't want someone in a band getting it and then they got to cancel and there, there's all kinds of you know logistics at stake so Hopefully next year, everything's completely back to what it was. My last question for you today, Johnny, and I do this with every guest that comes on the podcast. It doesn't matter who it is, over 200 episodes and each guest has done it. But I asked the guest to choose the outro piece of music that's played. Now, it doesn't have to be one of your own or from Hollywood Undead. It's a piece of music or a song that means a lot to you, but you get to choose it on the spot. It can only be one piece of music or one song, but it's played after the episode is completely edited. The interview's all wrapped up. You get to tell me the reason why. But what song do you want to end this episode on today? Uh, I'm going to go Neil Young, Old Man, um, because the subject matter of the interview kind of reminded me of the song because you were kind of putting me back in that place where uh, we all started. And that's a song that always brings back that nostalgic feeling. Um, 
and the subject matter of the conversation kind of triggered the thought of the song and talking about the music I grew up on. And it's also just one of the most fantastic songs ever. Neil Young is someone that's on my list, right? So when I grew up, I loved people like Tom Petty. I never got to see Tom Petty live. And before he died, he played in Hyde Park in London. And I didn't go. And I said, oh, I'll go again. Like I I had something on. I was like, I'll leave it. And then he died. There was a lot of talk of Neil Young touring, but he's very against everything to do with COVID. Like they have to protect him so much. And there's there's rumors that he's going to tour next year. And I've told myself, wherever it is, whatever happens, I'm going because I do not want to miss out. And he is unbelievable. The stuff he did with Pearl Jam blows my mind. I I, I just have to see it. I have to see it live. He's amazing, dude. Neil Young, I mean, he is definitely one of my favorite songwriters of all time. And so is Petty. Um, I never said either, but Petty was relatively young. So I always thought I had time. Another guy that I go out of my way to see whenever I can is John Fogarty because I love Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, and you just never know how long you have to, to see these guys and, you know, they're not going to be around forever. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. If Neil Young comes out and is doing it, I don't care how far I got to drive or what I got to do, what I got to pay, you got to do it. But Neil Young, he, he's up there with the greatest. And um, that song is um, certainly one of my favorites ever. It's awesome. And I love it when people pick a song I love. People have come on actually and picked stuff like Tom Petty and Jeff Buckley, someone I never got to see live. And these yep. incredible people. And I, I am absolutely loving that you picked Neil Young because I've just, I'm going through this phase at the moment of listening to so much Tom Petty and so much Neil Young. So I'm like, yep, that's great. I'm happy to do that. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. It's an absolute pleasure. I really hope you get to come over here next year, if it's Download Festival or if it's your own tour or whatever it is. And if it is, we'll have to meet up, have a drink, because honestly, I just think the world is starting to get back to normal. And I would love just to celebrate with you in person. I would too, man. And uh, I'm going to check out those other interviews too of uh, Jay and all those dudes. I you yeah, there's, me. there's loads on there, man. There's like um, Everclear is a really good one. Art Alexis really opens up about rehab and abuse and all this. I've had Brandon Boyd on recently, and he's incredible. Jim Adkins, Frice, all these great people. And they, they just seem to open up and just tell me honestly how life is. And there's such a good journey. So dip in and see what you like. I will. I will, man. I appreciate it, brother. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Johnny Free Tears from the incredible band Hollywood Undead. What a great interview, such a great character, really didn't hold back and was honest from the moment we started talking. And that's what makes a dream guest for me on Mark and Me. As I said at the start of today's interview, the brand new album, which is called Hotel California, is out now by Hollywood Undead. Go and check it out, have a listen, and if you love it and think it's great, and if it's because of the podcast that you were introduced to this band or this album, let me know on social media. That's the best thing that I can get. If I see feedback from someone that discovers a band or an album or a film because of this podcast, that for me is the ultimate pat on the back. And if you've really enjoyed today's episode, all I ask you to do, because the episodes will always be free, is just to simply share it. Go on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and all the links for my own are on markandme.com and just hit that retweet button, hit that share button, put it on your stories on Instagram or do whatever. Just maybe tell your friends because honestly the word of mouth gets a lot of new listeners to Mark and me and I can't afford to pay all this money for marketing and stuff like that. So if you've really enjoyed today's episode, just hit that retweet button, please. It makes a massive difference. I also do have a Patreon page set up. The link is also on markandme.com. 
I can't run this podcast without that support. And as you may have seen, I'm going to be starting to do episodes just for Patreon as well very soon. But not only that, Richard Sounds, who are very good friends of this podcast, each month give an amazing prize away to say thank you for supporting me via Patreon. You're going to get a badge as soon as you sign up and so many more little treats. I really make sure I look after my patrons and you get some incredible exclusive content. So please, if you've enjoyed today, markandme.com and click that link for Patreon. I'll be back in only a few days time with a brand new episode. Things are never going to slow down and I can't wait to share the next few months with you. It's going to be incredible. But until then, look after yourself, listen to Hollywood Undead, take care of yourself and I'll speak to you all very, very soon. But I'm all alone